totally back yet. We'll go to the last page of The Awakened Soul. That one we never open to. He endeavors to cleave the body from the spirit, or the spirit from the body is directing his heart away from truth. The flower and its fragrance are one, and the blind who deny the color and the image of the flower, believing that it possesses only a fragrance vibrating the ether, are like those who pinch the nostrils, who believe that flowers are not, but pictures and colors possessing no fragrance. And here's Brian. <clears throat> I keep losing my water. <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> well, we went about 10 minutes longer than what we normally do for the meditation. <clears throat> I started to come back at one point, and as I opened my eyes, I felt that energy just kind of bring me present, and then all of a sudden, once again, move within. Did you guys notice a difference at all? You know, it's kind of nice, isn't it? It's kind of harder to really get more focused out again after doing that though, which is really kind of nice because I know the longer we live in that, in a sense we begin to at one point really move more in that flow and even then open our eyes and just continue moving with it instead of going down and then bringing yourself back up, so to speak. It's just a continuous flow. And that's one thing I started to notice today in doing the meditation that way and going the extra time was that shift where I know sometimes out of habit, the body will say, okay, you know, 30 minutes is up, come present, time to get up and physically do now. And I find myself getting more focused outwardly again and not staying as centered in the, in the spirit. So it was interesting today actually being aware of that old movement, usually after about 25, 30 minutes, where I find myself coming present. And then all of a sudden now just being with that, but then focusing on spirit and then going past it. And then I find as I go past it, all of a sudden, I go more into the spirit again, and then I just go deeper into spirit. So that part of the, the mind and the body that would have us participate more in the world, in a sense, we're training it by holding to the loving that that part of the mind and the body will say, oh, okay, we're not getting up yet, so we can go ahead and relax. And just really now we're, we're doing this thing called meditation, which is focusing on the loving, on the spirit. So if we can look at meditation that way, that part of the meditation is training the mind, the emotions, the body to really, in a sense, come into alignment and serve that flow of spirit that gives it life, that, in a sense, is that movement of consciousness into the world. So just a simple thing, and I was just wondering how you noticed the difference. We went about 10 minutes longer. I think we were a good at least 40 minutes in meditation. So just interesting to be aware of those things. Because oftentimes some of us may go into meditation thinking that, okay, well, I have to do this much time, and you're going to make yourself sit there, but then at the end of the time, all of a sudden you do get up because that part of you that wants to get up and do the world, in a sense, we honor that first. It's like we're making ourselves move to spirit and just putting in whatever time we want to do towards spirit, and then it's really like, okay, done with that, did that, now I'm going to get up and do with whatever, because that's what the mind, the emotions, the body want to do. They're, they're of the world, so they want to participate in the world. 
And so they're always, on one level, going to be always trying to get us caught up in to focus into doing the world. So it takes time. In, it, in that time that it takes to really get more focused on spirit and let go of the distractions of the world, it takes time for these elements of the body, the mind and emotions, to get used to that. We're training them into a new pattern that they come into a greater alignment. And the nice thing is that when you really do that and you get more into that movement of loving, the loving actually begins to feed the body, the mind, and the emotions, and they actually come into liking it, enjoying it, because it can be a time of peace or nurturing, where maybe there's nothing else in the world that quite nurtures the mind, emotions, and the body the way that meditation does. So just be aware of that, all these dynamics that go on and how the body is, in a sense, have of that animal nature and that it does take time to bring the body into alignment to serve, really, the flow of spirit. It's really more of a state of observation and learning through your experiences of all these things that go on inside in that way. So part of the reason I'm sharing this is also that to realize that in that flow of loving, there is this other action we also call the physical element of service. You hear Jim and I talk about the first service is really to God. And how do we do that? We go into meditation and we love God. That's serving God. And at the same time, that's the first service to ourselves, our soul, is to be in that action of meditation where we, the soul, are in that loving God and opening to allow God to love us. That's all inwards, truly all in spirit. It has nothing to do with the body, the mind, or the emotions other than sitting them down, bringing them to, into alignment to do that action of loving, which is the first service. But then there is this other action of service, whereas we now live more and more in the loving, that we also allow that loving now, in a sense, to come into and serve the elements of the world, the mind, the emotions, and the body. But how does the spirit serve the world? It serves the world by loving it, by participating, by coming into these realms and having experience. It is serving the world by allowing the flow of loving to move in and through freely, by not getting caught up in and attached, but simply by moving like that river of loving in and through all of creation and back up. And so in that, there is an action of what we could say is service. And what I would term sometimes more of the spiritual, physical service in that greater flow. It's really interesting. I had an inner experience this morning, um, early morning before coming here today. And in that, I found myself in a classroom situation setting where it's just like you'd have a teacher up in the front conducting the class and you have all the students sitting in the chairs, just like school. And I found myself in the classroom listening and the, the teacher was towards the end of the class and the teacher was now giving the assignment. And what the lesson plan was and the assignment was about physical service to now, for your homework, here's what I want you to do, to go do this action of service physically into the world. And you've got to remember, these inner experiences that Jim and I share are really in spirit on other realms 
In there are what we call the mystery schools, the school, the spiritual schools of learning, that where the soul goes to in the dream state, or sometimes in their experiences, or meditation. It really goes on all the time. But these are the times that maybe we'll be more aware of it, is as our eyes are closed physically. So this classroom I was in is where there were souls that were learning these different actions, not only of spirit, but also that action of spirit as it lives in and through the world. If you remember on this path to sun and light, we talk about it as a threefold path. Those three actions are meditation, self-study, and service. And so this class this morning I was in was about service. And it was really interesting because as the teacher was giving the homework assignment to go out and now do um, a project of service, to have experience and learn what it is like to go and be or service or assist others. And the, the homework assignment was physically to go help somebody out in their physical life and to have the experience of doing that. And it's really interesting, though, because also not only was there a general assignment for everybody, well, there is also this extra credit project. I call it a project because that's often how we look at it in school. And the project was there was this man that was in the hospital. He had just had surgery and operation, was in semi-critical condition. And so it was more immediate because he was in there now in the state he was in physically that the teacher was giving extra credit that whoever wanted to go there and who went there first and did it was the one who would get the extra credit. And I felt the energy stir in the room of like a little bit of a race for a few people to try to go there first to do their service with this person in the hospital. And it was very interesting, though, when I felt that movement of consciousness stir in the classroom. And it was really funny. Let me tell you the rest of the story. There was one gentleman in this classroom that right after he heard the story and I felt that energy stir in the room, he got up and excused himself. He cut out a class early before everybody else because he was going to go there and be the first one and get the extra credit. So he cut out a class and everybody else was still in class because class wasn't over yet. He made up some kind of excuse to get out so he could go there and be the first one and get that extra credit. But well, this is interesting. Isn't that kind of like what we do in this world of trying to do things to get them done? to get the extra credit, to get whatever, to do the homework assignment, to get the good grade. But in this case, there was no grades. It was really about doing actions to have experience and learning through our experience. But even in this classroom setting and this inner realm, there was still that element of the mind and the ego at work saying, oh, I got to go do this. In other words, what is it like? Think about it when we, we have found ourselves in school. Don't we often feel sometimes obligated or have to or we need to do this to get the lesson, get the grades, pass the assignments and all that? Well, there was that element going on here in this classroom this morning. I thought, okay, well, this is interesting. I, I can also see the movement of spirit in it, but then there's also this movement of the ego in there as well. So it's kind of both at play. Because really the greater action of service is the loving movement of spirit. But as it moves in this world, it has these other elements to deal with. So the class came to an end. That other individual had already left to go to the hospital to be the first one there to do their service. And a few of the students, um, after we 
you know, the class was done, people were leaving, and a, a couple of the students gathered around and were talking, and one of them was saying how upset they were that this person had made the excuse, and everybody knew they were cutting out earlier, and they were going to get the extra credit, and now nobody else could get the extra credit. And it was really funny because now there was actually a couple of those beings, souls over there, and the, the, yet the personality element as well, now upset because now they missed the opportunity. And one, one of them was really complaining, God, that's so unfair. They cut out early. They got to, now, now they're going to get the extra credit. And I wanted, to be, I wanted to do that. I wanted to get the extra credit. And now I can't. So they were complaining. And I just sat there and smiled and kind of giggled a little bit and just laughed. I said, don't you know, this is all just a game. This is all just a game. And think about it. What really is service anyway? Is service in its truest sense as an action of loving and caring. Is that about going and doing a school project or homework assignment so you get the extra credit? Think about it. Why do you want the extra credit? And in this case, it was coming out of the ego. And yeah, I said, listen, that person, they're just going to get the brownie points. Is that really service or is that just trying to get brownie points? Said so the true action of service is you go because you want to go, first of all, not because you need to or out of obligation or it's an assignment, but you go because you want to, to participate in an action of loving and caring. That's service. To go because you want to, because you want to be involved and participate in an action of loving and caring. And in this case, there was a physical action as well. And so I would also say of assistance. True service is loving and caring and assisting another being. And in this case, the gentleman in the hospital, he was really, in a sense, incapacitated. He couldn't do for himself. So he needed physical assistance. So there's a physical level of assisting and helping another body, but that soul in the body, assisting it in its physical journey. So it was really wonderful in that group discussion of sharing, you know, it's just all a game. This classroom's a game. But if you want to know the true action of service, it is about you wanting to participate out of your own willingness of loving, caring, and assisting, not out of it because it's an obligation or a homework assignment. And if you do it that way, not only will you pass this class, but then you will really understand the true meaning of service. In the loving of spirit that you can awaken to by participating in that way. And so it's important to understand that yes, this world is a classroom. Yes, there's the homework assignments. That's called karma. Unlearn lessons. The assignments help us to learn the lessons. And yes, at first we do them out of obligation, like we need to or have to, because at least that gets us to go have experience. So I'm not putting that down. That's a good thing, because it gets us to move into having experience. But then there comes the time when we, the soul, need to approach 
and live the experience differently. And that's what makes the difference of a soul going into the world to have its lessons and do its karma. And that of a soul that is fulfilling and completing its karma and now on its journey back out of the world, back into the realms of spirit. So in this classroom, there was both going on. One soul went out to participate in the world, and these few other souls that gathered around wanted to know the deeper, truer action of spirit in the service, which is what we could call the higher learning or the greater experience of the soul awakening on its journey home to God rather than its journey into the world. So be aware. These classes go on on many levels. We're all learning and growing. But some of us are learning and growing into the world of experience and some of us are learning and growing into the realm of spirit. Big difference. So pay attention, even as you and your own life step forward to be of service to others in whatever way that may be, whether it's somebody who's ill or in the hospital or whether it's helping to raise children, whether it's just helping somebody cross the road, carry something, just like our Coins for Kids project we do every Christmas. Why are we doing that? And how, not as a group, but how are each of us approaching and participating in that action or in whatever actions you may be doing in your own individual lives? I know in the past, Jim's often talked about such things of service, just like we started the Coins for Kids, came out of his own actions of service. He did on his own. He shared about going of being a service like at homeless shelters or um, what was that? Uh, I don't know. My mind's starting to enter now trying to think of things. So I'll let it go. <laughs> Hospice, that was the other one. Hospice. Or about stories of going in and assisting the newborns as they're just coming into this world. So there's lots and lots of things we can physically do in this world to be of service. But it's so important to understand for those of us that are on this path of sound and light, this path of liberation rather than evolution, but to liberate the soul, it makes a big difference how we participate and how we approach what we do in the world. That's the real learning, or in this case, awakening. Because in the truer movement of spirit, the learning isn't learning the way we would think of it in the world. It is a journey of awakening. It is through the experience of awakening is the greater learning. But that's what we call the knowing or the gnosis. That is not learning through information. <clears throat> learning through doing homework to know or learn as far as mentally, but learning by doing life in loving with always our eyes on spirit, always our eyes on God, and then making that first and making that only so that all the actions of learning and loving and serving that we do are all the flow of that loving of our soul, seeing the God in all things, seeing Spirit, that spirit of life, of loving in all things. That's the greatest service we can do for ourselves 
And then as we do that for ourselves and we awaken and see that spirit of life in all things, we will be living that loving. And as we honor that and serve that, serve the spirit, not the mind and the emotions in the world, serve the spirit in the world and serve the spirit in any world, that's the greater journey of life. Not serving the physical world, serving the spirit that is in the world. That's the greater journey. So participate. Do things in the world as well. Do physical service in the world. But as you do it, approach it with serving the spirit, not serving the world. And see what kind of difference that makes inside of you. See what you experience by serving in that way. Because ultimately, the greater service is for you in your own awakening. And in your awakening, as you awaken, guess what's going to happen and assist in your actions of service when you approach it that way. That's when you truly serve the spirit in the world because as you approach and act in that way, it's how we assist one another in truly coming into that awakening for ourselves. If you serve another being in that action of loving, it is that spirit of loving in which you approach the physical service that will begin to stir that spirit awake within them. That's what makes the difference. And so, we approach service with loving. But we do it with loving God. And in that loving God is how that action of service continues its process of awakening. So the first step in all of this is really to be of service to yourself first. That first step I mentioned of meditation, which is serving God and serving you, the soul. That's really the first step and the first service, to love God and let God love you. Now think about this. How many of us approach meditation? Now you heard my little storyline. Here's your assignment. Go do your homework. Get your brownie points, extra credit, obligation. You have to do this. How many of us approach meditation that way? Oh my God, two and a half hours of meditation? You guys are asking a lot of homework of me, aren't you? How many of us feel that that two and a half hours of meditation we recommend... We've never said it's a have to or an assignment you got to get done. But how many times inside of ourselves does it feel like an obligation or a project, an assignment we have to do? It's important to be aware of that. 
And in that difference of how you approach meditation is what is going to make the greater difference in your journey of awakening. Because if we approach our meditation as it's assignment, a project, we have to do it, guess what? We're just simply in class, getting the lesson plan, under, you know, here's the assignment, learning the way the world learns. But like I said earlier, that's still good because if there's an assignment given and if that's what motivates us to finally go do something, at least in the doing we're going to have some kind of experience. The only problem is when we do it out of a have to because somebody else is telling us, then it's always going to be still of the world. There's going to be an element that will keep us, in a sense, focused into the world because it's not out of freedom of our own choosing and wanting to do it. That's the big difference. When we can approach the meditation because we want to, and we choose to out of our own freedom, not because Jim or I are saying so or anybody else, but because we want to and freely choose to. When we approach it that way, just like I said earlier, the true action of service is when we want to out of our own volition, out of loving, caring, and assisting do we then awaken and come into the greater knowing and understanding of the greater truth of spirit? So please, today, if anything, take this with you. How do you approach your meditation? If you approach it as a half to obligation, that's fine. You're going to have experience and you're going to learn. But if you really want the greater experience, find within you that part of you that truly wants or longs to love God. Because that's what meditation is. It is simply loving God. So if you look at meditation not as this thing where i got to set the body in a certain way or lay it down and focus inside at the seat of the soul and do all this chanting these names, it's a project, right? See if you can begin to find a way to approach it differently, not as a project, but truly as time where you spend in loving with God because that's what you want to do regardless of how long it is, if it's five minutes or five hours, throw the time out the window and let it be whatever it is. Just do it. Do it in loving. Do it out of your freedom of choice. And that's when you're going to have the greater awakening out of that freedom of choosing. And then even if you only do it five minutes, you're going to get a whole heck of a lot more out of five minutes than you would maybe out of two hours of doing it out of obligation or have to. And maybe not. Because maybe the two hours or two and a half hours of obligation, you say, all right, I'll do it. And then after an hour and meditation and all the obligation and trying to make yourself do it, you finally surrender and give up. All right, the heck with it. And then all of a sudden the next hour is truly in loving. 
It works out that way often. It has for me. My first few years of meditation, I'd set my alarm clock at a certain time, get up and do it no matter what. Go through the little beginning part process of like I'm making myself do it. But then when I held long enough, that part would drop away and then I'd really be in that greater movement. Just like meditation today, going that extra 10 minutes, usually after 25, 30 minutes, I even find myself in class, this part that starts to rise up, okay, it's time to now do the talk. I said, okay, yep, there it is. Oh, there it goes. Because God first and God only. And honor that flow of loving, however God moves the consciousness, and live in that. And there's where the greater experience unfolds. So look for that. Approach your meditation with loving, with freedom. Let go of the obligation, the have to, the need to. Do it because you want to. And then you'll have the greater awakening of your soul.